I'm Linda Holmes. Welcome to NPR's Book of the Day. James McBride tackles a lot in his new novel, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. It's a story about a neighborhood in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and the immigrant communities that are sharing space there in the 1930s. A couple named Moshe and Chona own the grocery store that's in the title. McBride tells NPR's Scott Detrow that Chona was inspired by his own grandmother and the difficult life she had. I wanted my grandmother to have a better life, he says. So I put her on the page and made her loved. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Lemelson Foundation, dedicated to improving lives through invention, innovation, and climate action. James McBride's new novel, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store, is a lot of things. It's at the very beginning a bit of a whodunit. It's also a heist story and a love story. But it's mostly a close look at a community in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. At the heart of that community is a couple, Moshe and Chona, Jewish immigrants who live in a poor neighborhood called Chicken Hill. It was a perfect setting for where you put these people of different cultures in a place and see what happens. And so Chicken Hill was the part of town where blacks lived, Jews lived, white people, white people like, I don't know, Italians and Greeks and, and Irish who couldn't afford any better lived. And they all, they all pretty much got along. They all get along for the most part in McBride's 1930s setting, but there's also a deep awareness among the main characters of their differences, the lines that sometimes can't be crossed. The ability to just sort of accept the humanity of other people was something I've always tried to use use in my work, and I've, I've always found it to be the most compelling element in terms of narrative drive. And so Chicken Hill was a perfect place to place this story. That story is about a boy named Dodo who has special needs. The state is trying to institutionalize him, and the community has to act together in order to protect him. That is easier said than done. I asked McBride how he landed on this plot. I was always fascinated with the idea about how these kids who are quote-unquote disabled end up in insane asylums in earlier times in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and so forth. The idea of the state trying to put this in, this deaf boy into Penhurst, which was a, just a horrible place, is really based on reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it wasn't hard to, to introduce that idea into my head, but it was hard to find a way to, to lay that conflict at the feet of the characters who, you know, who no one wants to challenge, uh, you know, a, a giant state institution yeah. like Penhurst or it'd be like challenging the... You know, the federal penal system or something. And this is, this is the character, Dodo, who is deaf, and they're protecting him. Uh, Shona steps in to protect him as well. And, and Shona is just such a remarkable character. And I was hoping you could, you could tell us a little bit about her and how you thought about her and how you thought her up. And I was also hoping, do you have a copy of the book in front of you by any chance? Yeah, uh-huh. I was hoping you could read a passage about Shona that, that really I thought made her just jump out and come alive to me, if, if you don't mind. It was, okay. uh, it was on page 23 of the hardcover. Chona's years of stirring butter, sorting vegetables, and reading in the back room of the Heaven and Earth grocery store had given her time to consider. 
She read everything as a child, comics, detective books, and by the time she became a young wife, she devolved into reading about socialism and unions. She subscribed to Jewish newspapers, publications in Hebrew, and books on Jewish life, some from Europe. She knew more Hebrew than any Jewish woman in town. She could recite the Talmud better than most of the men in shul. Instead of sitting with the women in the balcony, she insisted on davening downstairs with the men, claiming her bad foot prevented her from climbing stairs. Chona was, was a unique person. <clears throat> in many ways, she was modeled after my own mother and my grandmother because my mother was Jewish, raised in an Orthodox uh, Jewish home in Suffolk, Virginia, and worked in her family store. And her... Yeah, we, we were wondering if there was a connection there, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I... My grandmother lived a very difficult life. You know, she, she wasn't, she had a, a terrible marriage and her husband was, was not a very good person. So, and she died, really, she, she lost a lot before she died. Um, you know, my mother ran away from home and my uncle, he ran away from home when he was 15, joined the army and was killed in World War II. And so I wanted my grandmother to have a, a, a better life. So I put her on the page and, and made her loved. Um, so a lot of this character is is based on my mother and my grandmother and the kinds of things that that I learned from from my mother about Jewish life and um, especially during that period. Yeah, there's such a sense of um, the history of these places. Uh, you write about Pottstown. I, I, this jumped out to me because I lived and worked in this part of the world for a while, but you know the. The, the other nearby cities, Reading, Philadelphia, almost are characters themselves, the way that people in Pottstown talk about people from those cities going to those cities. Do you have any ties to this, uh, to this part of the world, or is this just a lot of research that went into this? Well, I lived in Philly, and, um, you know, I, I, I freelanced for the Philadelphia Inquirer back when it was the best paper in the country. Yeah. So I know the kind of writing talent, the kind of talent that Pennsylvania produces, and the kind of the wide variety of life and the wide variety of people that live there and also the kindness and goodness of the people of Pennsylvania. Very nice people. I mean, Pennsylvania is a fascinating place. So um, I, I kind of wanted to just show, you know, that part of the country to readers and to let people experience the fact that this is the state where it, where it all began. And, and also I wanted to... I don't think people really know that much about Jewish life in America, you know, in the 30s and 40s. I think people have a lot of misconceptions and there's just a lack of understanding about how far Jewish people have had to come. That's not to say that other people haven't had the difficult time. Yeah. But I think learning how these two groups and, you know, blacks and Jews got together and worked, lived together and got along has something to show us about how to live today. I, I enjoyed reading about Moshe and his cousin Isaac and their experience of just fleeing uh, persecution in Eastern Europe, uh, arriving in America with no money whatsoever, and and building up this this network of, of regional theaters and and being successful. Well, that's you know that's based on real fact, and a lot of the theater owners were Romanians because they had nothing else. And so they could sing and dance, or they could get people together to sing and dance. The journey is always the same. It doesn't matter what the group is. You know, you find a way in, and then when you get in, 
you're in, but what you leave behind is that's really the question. And for African Americans, it's a little it's a little more complicated because you get in and then maybe you're not in, or maybe you're half in. But it's still the journey is the same, and our willingness or unwillingness to accept the great cultural riches that people bring here is really you know it's really going to determine our future. And if obviously having a grocery store is proof that if you just open the door and let people dance the way they want to, great things will happen. That's author James McBride. His latest novel is The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. James McBride, thanks so much for talking to us. Well, thank you. I appreciate you chatting with me. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute where hundreds of researchers and clinicians make new discoveries inspired by the work of previous Dana-Farber scientists. See why nothing is as effective against cancer as a relentless succession of breakthroughs. Learn more about their momentum. Go to DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.